0: I've been called a lot of things in my life, but a Raider uh, has not been one of them. I do not qualify uh, in strength or in toughness to be a Raider fan. It is great to be here. I, I love this church. I, I always have. I uh, consider Scott a really good friend, and I'm, I'm just wondering why it took him 16 and a half years to have me get up and speak before you. So I don't know whether he saved the best for last or well, I was just the best he could do. But either way, I'm here, and here we go. I grew up in a, in a great Christian home in Indiana uh, with wonderful Christian parents who for a long time uh, took us to a lake for vacation, uh, Lake Freeman in Indiana, This uh, about a seven-mile lake, um, wonderful, wonderful place where we, had a, we boated, we swam, we fished, uh, we skied, we barbecued. It, it was great summers. In fact, there was one time where my dad and the local uh, doctor, our, our doctor, there wasn't a ton of them in our little small town. But they worked out a deal in buying this cottage where uh, i don 't know how they negotiated it, but we got the su- we, we got the cottage for the summers for like for several years and so you can imagine being a young young guy and my older brother, we would be able to go to the lake for the summer for two and a half months of It was crazy, it was wonderful, it was a great experience so needless to say, when I got older and and I had to have a boat, I just had to right? there 's no no options no i, did, I didn 't but I, I really wanted a boat. And I had a lifestyle where in high school, I, re- I rebelled quite a bit. In college, it was even worse. Um, I, I think I've told you, maybe I haven't, about being DJ Scary Barry. And it was very scary. And that, that's my name, Barry. So I rededicated my life to the Lord. I got a job at a bank there in my hometown. I was making $18,000 a year, which, is, which was really not much money even then. But it was a full full-time, full-time gig. <clears throat> but I was living at home for free, which was awesome. So my parents were snowbirds. And snowbirds would go away uh, for the the summer, and they would winter in Florida, and so they always had decent weather all the time, or at least it was warm. So I had a three bedroom, two bath condo on the water in in Port Charlotte, Punta Gorda, which goes into the Gulf of Mexico and goes up the Peace River. It was a it was not a bad gig. Uh, did I so so I, I decided I got to get a boat, and um, and I got a brand new open bow. 90-horsepower Deep V Maxim boat right there. That's not it, but that's the identical boat. And, and it was brand new. Did I mention it was brand new? It was brand new. This one isn't, but it was the, the best pictures that I could get. And when they were test driving, it was so sweet. They could go about 45, 50 miles an hour, probably about 48 was the top end. And he goes, go as fast as you can. I did. And, and then he said, okay, let me take over. The guy that was t- test driving and demoing this boat. And then he took the wheel. He said, hold on first. He took the wheel and turned it as hard as he could. And the boat went... Poof! And you know how a jet ski, you can do that, and it's cool, and it makes a splash? A boat should flip, and we would all be dead, but it didn't. It did the same thing, and and it was awesome, and so then I got the boat and started doing it with people, and they would go flying out of the boat or off to the side, and people were getting bruised ribs, and coolers were flying. It was so much fun. Did I mention that it was brand new? It was the greatest thing ever. And, uh, and so uh, I, I remember going to Fort Myers to pick it up. I drove down there. I d- did the deal, did the paperwork, got the boat, and came back to Punta Gorda. I thought, well, I've got to get it in the water. But I'm still all alone. So I drop it in the water and take it for a spin. I'm driving around, big giant smile on my face because I matter, right? You, you've been talking about you ma- I mattered at the moment. God blessed me with this. I, it might be a poor application of your series, but I mattered to God in that moment. And I was very happy that he had provided it because I'd rededicated my life. I was on fire for the Lord. This was all a God thing, don't get me wrong. But I didn't want to use up all the gas. And so I stopped and I said, I'm just going to throw anchor and float because the, the river and the, and the harbor had a, a pretty decent... Uh, tide going in and out. So I threw anchor, sat down, and I kid you not, I'm not, I'm not trying to look good. I normally make myself look bad because that's easier, but I think I got my Bible out. And I read my Bible while I'm floating. And if not, I know I prayed. Because this was, this was God's deal, dude. This was a cool, cool gig for me. And I was super, super happy. And then I realized it I was getting towards dark. i got to get the boat back because i got to hose it off and put the little uh, suction cups around the engine to run fresh water through it because there was a little bit of brackish there where, where I lived. And uh, so I had, it, had to keep it spotless, right, because it was brand new. Thank you. You're following along now. You're getting it. So I turned the stereo down, I got up on the, the bow of the boat, because uh, um, it was an open bow, but you still had to get up a little, a little higher there to, to open up where the anchor was, and, and so I was pulling the line in to, to back in the hole in the bow of the boat, so I'm up there on the bow, and I'm pulling the anchor in, and I got down to the chain, so the, the line goes to a chain, and the chain goes to the anchor, and the anchor sticks in the ground. So I got to the chain, and I thought, okay, I'm getting close now, so I want to be careful. And so I got up on the bow, and as I got up on the bow and grabbed that chain, a wave came. And when it did that, that anchor came out, boom, and put a hole about the size of a silver dollar in my brand-new boat. My bo- brand-new boat was no longer brand-new, and my heart dropped. Needless to say, the inaugural uh, trip of that brand-new boat did not end very well. I'll, I'll get back to that. Today we continue our I matter series looking at someone who ended very well ended their their life very well and uh, if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 19. John chapter 19, you know we've been going through John, and we've been going through that pretty much chapter by chapter uh, To set this up, Jesus has been incarcerated on some trumped-up charges. It's, it's not legit what's going on with him. He's headed to the cross. He's been flogged. He's been beaten with whips and, and all sorts of things that probably much, much of his insides are hanging out or exposed. Uh, it's, it's a brutal, brutal scene. He's had a crown of thorns put on his head. Um, and he's got a sign above him that says "King of the Jews" in three different languages, and uh, and now they're putting him up on the cross. John chapter 19, verse 28. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that Scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, "I am thirsty." A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it and put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, a lot of thir- thoughts go into this thirst and, and drink and what he was drinking, this sour wine vinegar. But Psalm twenty two fifteen says that Jesus' strength was dried up like a broken potsherd, like a, these broken pots. And his tongue stuck to the roof of his mouth. Have you ever had that happen where you've been so sick? That your tongue sticks to the top, and it's so dry, and it's like pulling cotton away from cotton in your mouth because it's just so, anybody you've been dehydrated like that, hungover. Don't raise your hands, um, but you just get so sick that it's it's like that, and all you're thinking in that moment is I've got to have a drink, I've got to have some water. Well, Jesus is kind of in that in that boat in mark uh, fifteen twenty three Jesus had refused to accept this dulling sedative of a wine mixture sort of thing uh, mixed with myrrh, uh, e- even though he was in a, uh, it was a more of a sedative he 's in the middle of carrying the cross piece uh, before that again he 's been flogged he 's carrying this it 's a difficult situation, but he, he denies that, but now he knows things are finished and he's thirsty so they give him they give him the cheapest mix of like wine combination possible i don't know i don't know if today it'd be like boone's farm strawberry back in my day or paps blue ribbon or bush or you know malt liquor i don't know whatever it was it was the it was the cheapest of the cheap and they put it on a sponge and they get it up to him and and he gets this i'm guessing you don't really drink from a sponge and i i wasn't there i didn't see it but i'm guessing he got just enough water on there to just just kind of separate and and put something liquid in your mouth, and then he said the, this word to tell "Die, it is done, it is finished. He's accomplished what he needed to do uh, on that cross. In other words, he, well then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. In other words, he delivered his spirit. It's like this this was the very end. He's delivering his spirit because Jesus has been delivered multiple times prior to this. He he was delivered by Judas with the kiss and they, they knew who, how to, who to grab when Jesus kissed him. He was de- delivered by Annas and Caiaphas. He was the spineless Pilate delivered Jesus to be crucified, and then the soldiers delivered him uh, at the cross and that sort of thing. But this time, Jesus delivers his spirit. This time, as a humble and a powerful warrior, Jesus delivers himself. John 10.18 says that he has the authority to lay down his life and pick up his life. So, make no bones about it. This... This weakness we see is not weakness in human terms. This is him choosing to lay down his life on this cross. He's choosing to give it up, and then will eventually take it back. He's in control of everything, even his own dying. And this had to fulfill Scripture perfectly as well. So if you don't get anything else out of this message, if, if there's nothing you get out of it other than this, you've got to get one thing, because I get you, you've you learned a lot in sh- the, the, chap- uh, the chapters that you've heard of John up to this point. But if you get one thing, and one thing only, get this. Jesus voluntarily gave it all up so we wouldn't give up. Jesus voluntarily gave it all up so that we wouldn't give up. That's something you can tweet. That's something you put on Facebook. That's, if you haven't checked in yet on Facebook, that's a good time to do that. This is, this is something you can put on Pinterest. You can put on Instagram, whatever, take a picture of it. That, that's good stuff. And see what happens if you post that. See, see what kind of conversation gets started. Jesus voluntarily gave it up so we wouldn't give up. John chapter 19, verse 31. Now, it was the day of preparation And the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers, therefore, came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. Just a side note there for a second. Isn't it interesting how he's repeating himself and repeating himself, repeating himself, and repeating it again? This is true. I'm telling you it's true. The guy that said it, he's still alive. You can go talk to him. It's true because he saw it, and it's true. And if you didn't know it's true, ask him, because just true. It's true because you need to believe what really happened. Verse 36. These things happened so that Scripture would be fulfilled. None of his bones will be broken, and as another Scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. So here's this special day of, of Sabbath. It's right before the the Passover. The Jewish leaders didn't want a body hanging up there that had been crucified. So they said, go break the legs and get him down. And this prevented uh, the accused from breathing. They would break their legs because typically typically suffocation or uh, being crucified is death by suffocation because you have to lift up to be able to breathe. And so that's what makes those nails. It's all just brutal anyway, let alone the flogging and everything else. But it also just adds insult to injury, breaking their legs. Then they can't push up to... um, to breathe, and they, they die sooner because you typically want to leave them up there a while in disgrace, and, and there are prey, wild prey animals that will come and, and chew at their feet and their lower extremities, and birds of prey will come and, and start pecking at their head and sometimes their eyes while they're still alive. It's a whole part of the whole awful, gruesome, miserable existence of these criminals that are, have been accused and, and supposedly found guilty, although Jesus' was a mock trial. But anyway, they're there and, and they experience this terrible, horrible, wicked death for, as, a, as a part of punishment. But this was the day of preparation. This was the day that lambs were slaughtered before Passover. Passover. So you don't, you, don't, you don't work on the Sabbath, and so this is a, the very special Sabbath of Passover, and so they're going to slaughter all the lambs the day before. Isn't, isn't that interesting? It's the day of preparation, the day that la- lambs are slaughtered before Passover they get to Jesus, he's already dead, because he voluntarily gave it all up so that we wouldn't give up, so they spear his side, and we could talk a lot about the water and blood that flows from that, and the, the, the physical aspects of the body, and how water and the pericardium, and we could talk about that, and we could argue about spiritual symbolism, and blood, and water, and baptism, and communion, all these different things, but the obvious implication for John, as he's the author behind this, was that this fulfilled scripture, and the breaking of legs, or not breaking of legs, and also the piercing, they looked on the one that they had pierce. That's what he really wanted to give. This fulfills scripture. This is big time stuff. Jesus really did voluntarily give it all up so we wouldn't give up. John chapter 19, verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of uh, myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was a Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Jesus voluntarily gave it all up, so that we wouldn't give up. And now he's officially dead. He's about to be taken off the cross. A guy named Joseph comes. He says, I want to I take the body. we know Joseph to be a, a very wealthy man. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, the kind of religious ruling authority, the judges sort of of the time. He was a good and righteous person. He expected God to fulfill his promise uh, about the kingdom, but he was also a closet Christian. He was secret because he probably feared his peers on the Sanhedrin and what they would think if he was re- if they really knew he was a follower of Christ. And so, so whether it's because he was wealthy or whether it's because of his high standing in the community, he gets an audience with Pilate and says, hey, I want to take Jesus' body. I want to I get a proper burial for that. Which is a courageous step for a secret Christian, for a closet Christian, especially a man of standing on a the Jewish Sanhedrin, this, this ruling authority of people and, and the religion and stuff that goes with that, he's no longer, he's out. Like, there's no going back now. It's a courageous, courageous move for Joseph to be able to do this. And, and to do this, because no, no longer can he, everybody's going to know who he is a, and what he believes, which is cool. So he's joined with Nicodemus, who was also at the time another closet Christian. Now come to Jesus at night because of fear. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting how we all love Jesus and we love what he does? but many times we do it in secret because of fear. Isn't it interesting now the opportunity we have to be scared about our faith and believing in Jesus or going to church or believing anything that the leftist extreme believes, or if we believe something different? How, how immediately, no matter how much you love people and how accepting you are of people, if, if you believe something different than those who are shouting the loudest right now, you're immediately a bigot, a right wing extremist isn't that interesting if If there was ever a time that a scripture like this would apply, it would be now that we love Jesus, we love his church, we love god 's people, but i 'm kind of scared to say anything about it i 'm not trying to get political i'm just this is our life. <laughs> just go to work, go go to school, go outside, go to the coffee shop, and say anything about anything that doesn't align with all the other stuff that's going on out there right now and the people that are screaming the loudest. I, I hope that we will be like Nicodemus and Joseph how they ended and that we'll go ahead and stand up and we don't need to rub anybody's nose in anything but be who we are. Be proud of who you are. Don't be a closet Christian. That's all a side note. First service didn't get that so they got shorted. That was good for you. <laughs> No more closet discipleship. He's they, they bring about seventy five pounds of spices. This was this was enough enough wrapping and linens and things for a, for the royal people for a king, which is really cool because he had talked to Pilate about him being the king, and then he's got a sign above his head in three different languages that said King of the Jews, and now he's being buried, and he's he's being buried as royalty would be buried as a king because he is the king. I mean, how cool is that? He's a carpenter. He's been wrongly accused. He had a mock, cruddy trial that really did, was not useless. And he was the king all along and kept telling him I'm the king, and yet he didn't live like it, and now he's being buried like it. I love that. I love that about Jesus. He voluntarily gave it all up so that we wouldn't give up. So what do you do with all this? You understand that you matter, and you understand that you cannot quit. You matter. Jesus went to the cross. You matter. He finished it all, and now it's up for us to finish our part. You matter, so don't give up. Most of you know uh, the picture that uh, I'm showing up here, J.K. Rollins. She did the brand of Harry Potter. Anybody read it or seen a Harry Potter movie or book? Or Yeah, most of you. know me neither. Uh, I'm not, not a big Harry Potter, Potter fan. I'm not against him. I mean, he's just, it's a It's a book. Uh, it 's a novel, um, but that and pokemon sorry i just I haven't got i haven 't downloaded the game yet and they 're they're talking about it being an evangelistic tool to go out with other people because there 's adults doing it too, and you 're all catching pokemon okay, I get that so maybe i 'll do that later i just it 's just not for me, and i 'm only going to do it uh, anyway so J.K. Rollins, we we look at the success she is. She's got a $15 billion brand in the Harry Potter empire. She's worth over a billion or right under a billion herself. She was over a billion. I think she's just under a billion. (laughs) Who cares? Uh, so, So we look at the success of that and go, wow, it's amazing. But she wasn't always that successful. In 1994, she had just got divorced, was on government aid, and could barely feed her child. Just three years before they launched the first and published the first Harry Potter book. She was so poor, she couldn't afford a computer to type it up, and she couldn't afford to make copies of the 90,000-word volume of that first Harry Potter. So she typed it all up on a typewriter, sent it in, and got rejected dozens of times. Do you know how much typing that is? Holy, that's poor. That's not success. I mean, I had to figure out a way to do something to get a copy of that. But, but she, could, she couldn't even afford that. She mainly typed out every one of them. Until their little London publisher, their daughter, whoever the CEO of this publishing company was, their daughter, their child, found it and read it and fell in love with it. I think that girl's who deserves most of the money. right? But then that, that London Publishing took it, and now it's history, $15 billion brand. It's an amazing success story. But she didn't give up. How many times had she wanted to give up on a typewriter 90,000 words? Mail it in or take it in. When things look gloom, it's just a storm. You're going to get through it. Don't give up. Jim Carrey, Shania Twain, Oprah Winfrey, Stephen King, even Colonel Sanders. Finger looking good. Those guys had, those stories of those guys and gals are so many hardships, so many trials, so many storms, so many difficulties along. And, then, and I'm not saying these are perfect people that we model our life after. I'm saying they achieved success, they achieved the win. But it wasn't just, most overnight successes take 10, 20 years to get overnight success. It's never an overnight success. You're either, here's, here's, here's what you need to know you're either going into a storm. You're in the middle of a storm, or you're just coming out of a storm. What's the common denominator in all three of those things? The storm. You're much brighter than the first service. Much brighter. They didn't get it. I had to go back it again. You. So, and there's a, there's a small window. There's a small window where 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 you, you have a little bit of light, right? And there's not a storm. But pretty soon, you, you'll begin to see the storm you're about ready to head into. And we can look at every one of your lives, and we're there. We're, we're either, it's actually sunny and shiny, and it's good, but we're, we're headed into one. It's common. Or, or maybe you're right dead center in the middle of it, and all you can do is put your head down and just keep grinding one foot forward in front of the other. Here's the good news. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that you and I have as believers in Christ to get through the storms. Don't give up. Don't quit. Jesus voluntarily gave it all up so that you wouldn't give up. He finished, he finished what he was supposed to do so that now it's our turn to finish what we need to do. Well, he's still got some more stuff to do. But for right now in our context, this is where we're at. Don't give up. Don't give up. So I finally, I finally get the anchor put back into the boat. I get all the line in. I get the chain in. I get the anchor in. I didn't scratch it anymore. I didn't break anything. And I cover up the, where the anchor goes, and I pr- put the proverbial tail between my leg, and I sat on it, and, and I looked around to see how embarrassed I should be to see if anybody saw me, and over there laughing and, you know on, on the shore or whatever. And fort- fortunately, I didn't see anybody that saw me, but I knew what I did. I knew what I did, and I knew I needed to get it fixed. I mean, it'd be different if it was on the bottom and the back where nobody would ever see it. This is the front of the boat or the hull. Conk, big hole there. Wow, nice new boat. Did you get a discount for that? No, no I didn't. So I take the boat in to get serviced. After a certain amount of hours, just a few hours, you have to take it back and they, they change some oil or do some things. And I did that and I pointed to the hole and they go, what the heck happened? And right there I was tempted to lie. I was tempted to tell them it was that stupid youth group that I took them out on the boat and the kids put a hole in it. Dumb kids but I didn't. I told them the truth. I told him I'm an idiot, and I told him what happened, and, and no matter how hard I tried to keep it perfect and new, I couldn't. I blew it. They shook their head, and I asked him. I said, can you get me a bid on that? And they said, yeah, just leave it here. We'll, we'll call you. So they called and said the servicing was done. I could come down and get it, and so I didn't even ask about the hole. I figured they'd give me a bid of who knows how many hundreds of dollars at the time, and I showed up, and they gave me the boat, and I saw it, and the hole was fixed. It's like it had never been. It was brand new, and I thought, that's awesome. How much is this going to cost me? I mean, I make making 18 grand. I get that. I'm a, I'm a shooter, but still, I'm, I, I, and I'm living at home for free, but I can't be a fo- I just bought a boat. I talked to the service guy, and he goes, no sweat, man. It's covered. Don't worry about it. We got it. I know it's not covered. I know it's not covered by insurance. I know it's not covered under warranty. Stupidity is not covered under those sorts of things, and this was stupid. But I was a happy guy, and I couldn't believe it. I didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it at all. I was an idiot. I blew it. It was was irresponsible. No matter how careful you be, sometimes things just happen. And it didn't have to happen. I should have been smarter. I should have looked around. I should have saw the wave coming before it hit. But what I got, instead, instead of deserving to pay, what I got was grace from this company. I got merit. I got favor. I got a blessing. I got a bonus. I got free resin and labor and sanding and whatever it took to make that perfect. That's what Jesus did on the cross. (laughs) He made us perfect, holy, righteous. He, He did it on the cross for us by his blood because every single one of us have sinned. And sin is what separates us from God. Listen, listen, listen. We're getting ready to go into communion. This is perfect. There's God and there's us and there's sin that has separated us. And the only thing that gets rid of sin, Hebrews 9.22 says, there's no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. And here's what happens. Even if you didn't believe in hell, which I do. I believe there's people going there. Even if you didn't believe in hell, you're separated from God, and you're going to die a Christless eternity. That's hell. To be absent from God is to be in a bad, bad place. Sin is what separates us. And the only thing that gets rid of sin is the shedding of blood. And that's why God said, I'm going to come down and I'm going to give you my son, Jesus Christ, my only son, my best. I'm going to give you my best. I'm going to give it all up for you. My only, my all. And he's going to shed his blood on that cross. And that's going to forgive your sin if you put your faith in that son of mine. And then that sin... Just like the resin and the sanding and the boat, you can't even find out where it was. It's, it's as if it never existed. Oh, you still did it. And there's still a penalty to pay for it. But it's better than new. It's perfect. And God looks at every one of us as believers in Christ. You may not be one of those yet, and that's fine. We'll talk to you in a second. But God looks at every one of us as believers in Christ through the filter of the blood of Christ. So here we are standing, and I've got this filter above me, and God sees me through that blood of Jesus, His one and only Son, and I am perfect, and I am righteous, and I am holy, and I matter. Because God gave his best, Jesus, and Jesus gave it all up so that you and I would not give up. And we continue to learn, and we continue to grow, and we continue to mature, and we continue to come to the church for one reason, and that's so that other people can know. And they can grow and mature so that other people can know. It's a beautiful cycle because everybody is separated from God because of their sin. And all it takes is one sin. One sin. And every one of you have probably sinned once during this service. Shame on you. No, no, no. You get grace instead of what you deserve. That's what I got with the boat, and that's what we get as we remember communion. We get grace when what we deserve is punishment. So communion for a believer is a... a, Magical, it's not the right word. It is a transformational illuminating, amazing time to remember the sacrifice that he gave for us so that we can not only have eternal life and and be in heaven forever with God, but so that we can also have the Holy Spirit here on this earth and have an abundant life as we go through the storms. We have the power that raised Jesus from the dead in our life to get through those storms. It's a beautiful, beautiful situation and one that should be remembered on a regular basis. We're we're about to do that. And there may be a handful of you, maybe more, that you really don't have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You believe in God, and you're a good person. You go to church, and you might even give some. You might even serve and help out. But you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord, the boss, the CEO in charge of your life. You've never said, hey, this Jesus that, that bridged the gap, that shed his blood, the Jesus that gave it all for me, I've never given my all for him. I've just tried to be a good person. I met with my best friend this week since high school. He's my best friend in high school. I had not met with him since we were probably 20 years old. And I asked, I asked him the textbook. It was, it was just so weird and so natural. I was so glad it happened. We're on the way home. And I said, listen to me, i got to ask you one more question. My wife was with me. I said, i got to ask you one more question before we go as we're driving home. I said, if you died tonight, if a, if a bomb went off in our car and we died, would you go to heaven? And he said, I hope so. I said, okay. I said, if you died tonight and you stood before God in heaven and God looked at you and he said, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? He's driving. Well, I'd I'd say that I served you. I said, "That's good." What else would you say to him? He goes, "I'm not sure. Can I get back to you?" And I said, "No. Let me tell you." And I shared the gospel with him on on, as we're driving at night. I, I drew it with my hands up on the windshield, and I drew man and God and Jesus and the bridge. By the time we were done, he goes, that was awesome. And I was, I was talking to him about my new internet community, and he's this is the stuff I'm going to start at the end of the year. And he goes, hey, hey just share the picture. You'll be a successful. Just share the picture. The picture I didn't draw. I drew in the dark with my hands. Because the light bulb goes on when we understand us and God. And he's a loving God that loves us so much that he gave it all up so that we wouldn't give up. So my challenge to you is don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't quit. I could sit and list five, six, seven, ten different things that we shouldn't quit. I don't need to because right now the Holy Spirit is totally convicting you about something that you were thinking about quitting, that you know you need to continue. Don't give up. Don't quit. Let's pray. Father, we are grateful for your son, Jesus. We're grateful for the Holy Spirit that empowers all of us that are believers and for the handful of people in here, maybe a dozen people or so, I'm not sure, that have never given their life to you. They've never made you the Lord. They've never made you the boss. They've never been baptized. They they, they care about you and and they know you exist and they're not bad people, but they've never had their sin forgiven. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, if you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never made that decision, you've never made Him Lord, and today you know the Holy Spirit is just, your pits are sweating, your hands are sweating, you you know, you know, that today is the day that you need Jesus and you want to choose Him. With every head bowed, and every eye closed, if that's you and you say, I want Jesus today, I've never chosen before. I'm not talking to to believers who need to recommit their life. I get that. We'll get to that in a second. But I'm talking about you who you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to do that this morning for the very first time. I just want you to raise your hand really high and, and keep it up because I just want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to acknowledge that you're there. You've never given your life to Jesus. And today, for the very first time, the light bulb's gone on and you go, I know I need Jesus and I want him today. Just raise your hand really high and keep it up for just a second. Father, for... for one or two in the first service and any here that I might have missed or that wanted to raise their hand but didn't, we pray for those who need Jesus, who want you and are ready to accept you, that they would follow through with that and talk to somebody before they leave today, the most important decision they could ever make. For the rest of us, as we um, take this time now to remember, we remember how great you are. We remember your your son and his blood and his body broken and beaten on that cross and that this cracker represents your body and this juice that we're about to take represents your blood and that as believers we're going to take that and remember may it be a special remembrance that you gave it all up so that we wouldn't give up and may we finish the work you've called us to do as we get through the storm may we put our head down and just keep moving through and never ever give up because you're worth it And your people are worth it. And our calling is worth it. Father, thank you for the time that we've had to be able to get around your word. And to hopefully be changed by it. Meet with us now during this time of communion. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made a decision to accept Christ, then we invite you to go to the prayer room after the services. And for the rest of us, these ushers will come now and pass out the communion in just a moment.